Oh, upon further reflection, I should have set two alarms or three alarms. By the way, does my hair look okay? <laughs> I haven't had a chance to check it. <laughs> I literally threw the shirt on. Oh, that was terrible. That's, there's not a worse feeling. I've been coming to this for two years, and this was the first time that that's happened. So, you know, um, <clears throat> I remember it was like the second day of my freshman year in college. I was in the dorm, and you know how everybody's unpacking and all that. And this guy named George Callahan comes up and says, he's a senior, he obviously knows his way around, and he comes up and he says, uh, hey, my name's George, and we meet, and he says, I'm thinking about starting a Bible study here on this floor. It was at the University of Oklahoma, Walker, uh, floor 10. And um, he said, Do you, would you be interested? And we've got a bunch of freshmen getting together to have pizza here in a couple of days. Love to invite you to come and be a part of that. And I had been a part of a high school ministry and so uh, before I got to the University of Oklahoma, so I, I thought, yeah, I'd love to do that. How cool would it be to have a little Bible study on our floor? Now, my background wasn't Baptist. I didn't grow up Baptist, but this happened to be a Baptist uh, student ministry kind of thing. And so I jumped in and got involved in it. And as I got to know these, these guys at this, this ministry, there were juniors and seniors who, when they got together, they literally were talking about how God was speaking to them and what they could pray for each other. And they were following up with each other on things that they'd prayed and sharing verses. I mean, you could be walking to class, see one of the guys, and they're over here with their little verse card kind of going through like this. And this was just kind of the culture. And I thought, you know, I've been a believer since I was really young. This is different. This is very cool. I want to be part of that. And over time, I learned that the way they got to that point was a thing we called quiet time. And that meant to me, and what I learned was that meant you read your Bible, you pray, and you write down what you thought and what you prayed, basically journaling. So I thought, okay, I want to be like that when I'm a junior and senior, so I need to start doing this. So I started doing that. And you guys, that was 36 years ago. And I would say 80% to 90% of the days since then, I've woke up in the morning, got my Bible out, read my Bible, spent a few minutes praying, and wrote down what I thought, what I'd learned, and what I prayed. Now, why do I share that with you guys? Well, the first week when Adam was here, he was talking, this isn't about cramming, it's about consistency. It's not about um, passion, but about patience. It's one little step at a time. It's one day after one day after one day. So I share that because I want you guys to know this is possible. This is not outrageous things, these doing disciplines. It just takes a little bit. But then the other thing I want to talk about today is how to make it beyond just a few minutes a day that we spend doing those kind of things. How do we make it where it is our way of life? And that's this discipline of reflection. And the passage we're going to look at is this passage that's actually in your book on page 28, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 16. You can get in here and look at it with me. This is the exact same passage that Derek talked about on when, that very first week after the breakfast. The exact same passage. Now, we did it on purpose. He did it talking about moving from discipline to the light. I'm going to talk about it through the perspective of what does this passage teach us about reflection? And really, guys, reflection is the glue that holds all these other disciplines together. So read with me. 
And we're going to look in here and we're going to see three different things. What is reflection? Why do we do it? And then how do we do it? So we're going to start with that first question, what is reflection? And we're going to read verses 6 through 10. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have, our, have, set on the, we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Have any of you guys here, anybody here ever trained for a marathon? There's a few of you guys that have. And um, well, you guys know, I've got other friends that have trained for, my, for marathon. My, my daughter was a college athlete. So I know, I, I've seen, I know better by watching about this level of training, right, than personally. I mean, I exercise and stuff, but, but not like that. But when you're preparing for a marathon, you guys know that it's more than the miles you put in every day, okay? You've got a plan. You know how many miles you do to work up to go to the marathon. But you, every one of us knows that those guys are thinking about what they're eating. They're thinking about their rest. They're thinking about their hydration. All of those kind of things. So it is way more than just the disc. Well, reflection is the same. Well, let me start with this. The other big idea when doing is you kind of get a picture of where you're at. Here's where I'm at. And if I'm going to be ready for the marathon, here's what I've got to do to get to that point. Now, reflection is the discipline of taking time daily, all throughout the day, to think about who you are, where you're at, and where do you want to be? What is your goal? All of us do this already, okay? Think about it. If you've got an upcoming promotion, or if uh, you've got an upcoming promotion and you know certain things have to happen, you're thinking about it all, do, all, all day long. Uh, I know in, in our work, I've, uh, I have a small business and marketing is not our strong point. And so we jumped in with the software to, that's going to help us figure out how to maximize SEO and make sure we're following up people properly and all that stuff. So last month or so, I've been just diving into this software, trying to figure out, okay, what's possible with this software. So I'll find myself in the middle of the day, I'll walk or in the evening, I'll think, you know, I wonder if I could do that with this software. Or I wonder if I could do this. Well, you guys do the same thing. And what you're doing is you're reflecting on one part of what it is. You know, you do it at home. If one of your kids isn't doing well, through the day, your default goes back to thinking, I wonder how he's doing. I'm, I'm struggling with that. I'm, I'm praying for them, right? That's reflection all day long. What if we could do that and our default mindset was to train to be godly? What if it, the default was to go back, you know, that time I spent with the Lord this morning, How's that influencing where I'm at right now or what am I thinking about it? You know, it was that default mindset of wanting to be godly that I saw in these students that were three or four years older than me. And so the question is, where are you at right now? Because discipline is knowing where you're at right now. Where do you want to be? And then are you willing to take the little steps of reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, writing it down, 
maybe memorizing some of the scripture to get there. So that's reflection. Now the second part is why do we reflect? Well, let's look back at scripture and look at verses 11 through 14. So the question here is why reflect? And Paul is telling Timothy, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. You guys, the reason that we do the disciplines, the reason we reflect, it has value for us. That's like, but that's like physical training. The greater value, it is way too small a thing to do these just for us. We're to be an example to others around us, to the community group, to our wife, to our kids, to the people we work with, to the people in our neighborhoods. That's part of what this is. And um, in a few weeks, I'm gonna be a grandparent. You know, my, my oldest is, and so we're moving to this whole new stage of life. And you know, as I've reflected, yeah, it's pretty cool. And as I've reflected on that, you begin to think about the example that you've been and the influence of that for generations. Now is my son and his wife gonna take on and as they, they raise this, this new young one. And, and the scripture here says we're gonna be an example in conduct, in our speech, in our life, in how we do life. You know, I wasn't here, I've had, I was out of town at a conference last week and so I missed hearing Kyle talk, Kyle's talk on uh, rest and fasting. And so Danae sent a link and I clicked on it and I pulled back up last Thursday night, his talk back in May on the same topic. And I don't know if you guys remember that, but Kyle talked on the whole idea of rest back then. And one of the things that he shared, one of the stories is how his daughter had been complimented by all her friends about her own walk with God and how she walked with God and the difference she made. And she wrote this letter to Kyle, it was real touching and said, um, Dad, thank you for being an example for me all those years of what it was like. That's what we're talking about, being an example. The stakes are too high, you guys. It's not just for you. It's for those that are coming after you and beyond us and around us. That's why we do that. We're, um, and part of the reason, you guys, that so many of us, as are, tr- are, are involved in re-engage and regen because we've had terrible examples and we've lived terrible examples before. We need to get healthy and get headed the right direction so we get some of these things kind of figured out. Love that. That's part of, of this whole thing of reflecting and becoming the men that we're supposed to be. But the la- other part of this is Paul tells Timothy, listen, use your spiritual gifts. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, When you receive grace by faith, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And um, as he comes in, with that grace comes these gifts. In fact, the word for spiritual gifts is charisma. You've probably heard that. Comes from the word charis, which is the word we use for grace. So literally, all spiritual gifts are working out the grace that God put in us when we received him by faith. 
So as we spend time in the word, we spend time praying, we spend time journaling, we're working out the grace that God put in us when we came to him. The Holy Spirit works on that and builds that like a muscle so that those gifts can come out. As an example, we can use that and share that with other people. Now, one thing that I think is really important, here's an insight in this whole area of why to be gift. To be an example, you have to have an example. Paul, Timothy had Paul, right? Things you've heard me say in presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who be qualified to teach others as well, okay? So T Timothy had Paul as an example. Paul is telling Timothy, you live as an example. And I am absolutely convinced that if you're gonna be an example, one of the best things you can do is have an example. Get an idea. When I was a freshman, I knew what I wanted to be when I was a junior and senior. When I was a junior and senior, the, the team around us helped us get involved with other people in the community, and I began getting a vision of what it looked like to be a dad in my 30s. When I was in my 20s, I was around folks, and I was married and started thinking about having kids. I knew enough guys, maybe not one particular person, but I knew some guys that gave me an image of what it looked like to be 45 and to be a dad with teenagers and how to raise teenagers to be that. When I was 45, all of a sudden one day it hit me. I'm 45, I'm getting old, okay? I've kind of at that point that I'd always envisioned, what do I do now? And I realized, you know what? You just bump that up 15, 20 years. Have an idea of what it looks like to be 60, what it looks like to be 70. There's a bunch of us around here that are over 50 now. And we're trying to figure out what does it look like to be 70? 75, 80. This is where we're at now. And we're starting actually in January, a little thing called Legacy for guys over 50 to help us work on that. Understand our gifts and how can we use those to become the men that God wants us to be in our 60s and 70s. So wherever you're at, have an example, a vision in mind. Just like the athlete, the marathon runner knows when the date of that marathon is, that gives him the goal to get there. All right. Finally, the last part, how do we get there or how do we reflect? Verse 15, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. You guys, how, um, how do we do this? We watch our life. We watch our doctrine. We watch our life. We have a clear picture of who we are. We watch our doctrine. We have an idea of what truth is, what we want to become, okay? Uh, we have a clear picture of who we want to be. This is why your time in the Word is so important because that's what gives you the picture of it. I think a lot of us see the Word as, um, uh, as just a duty that we go to each day. One of my favorite verses and is in, is in Isaiah 66 too, where God said, has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being. This is the one I esteem. Boom, what? Who does God esteem? This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit has this character, humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. And I started thinking about that word trembling. How do we approach the word trembling? 
And I started thinking, I grew up on a ranch, and I give a story there, but the story I'm going to do is a couple of years ago, we got a, a little lab, and we did a bunch of training with him, went to a little training facility in Frisco, and we had some training stuff with him, where he got where he was pretty, pretty obedient. And you could hold a tree, and he would, you know, flip and do all kinds of crazy tricks and do all this kind of stuff, and then you just tell him to sit. And in the middle of that, and you guys have probably done this too, you, you, he's sitting there, and his ears are up, his eyes are open, his little tail's wagging on the floor back there. But you know what else is happening? His little muscles are trembling. He's eagerly anticipating the first move, the second move. What if the word of God was like that for us? That I want to be so intent on God and who he is that I'm just looking, and I'm, into, and I'm trembling. Not out of fear, trembling out of eagerness, Trembling out of expectation. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to look like? And I'm reflecting through it. That's where it starts with that kind of perspective and love for the word of God that we're just eager and excited about the word of God, giving us direction, thinking about it. Well, um, that for me is what reflection is. It's taking the day, loving the word of God so much that I'm eager to see, God, how do you want me to do this in this situation, in this situation? There's four things that keep me on track on the house side. First of all, devote daily. I already shared with you how I spend that time in the morning reading the Bible. Now, you guys, there's a lot of mornings. I don't do it exactly like that. Yesterday, or a couple days ago, I took my dog up. I threw, I got on my phone. I turned on the, the chapter that I'm reading. I have a set plan that I read through the Bible every three years. Put on the ch chapter that I was reading. Listened to it as I went up there. Listened to it as I came back when I got to the office. Took me five minutes. I didn't even open my Bible. I listened to it. Took me about five minutes to jot down what I thought from that. And then I was on to the rest of the day. So that's the first thing is devoting daily. The second thing is scripture memory. What I've learned about, for me, scripture memory, if there's something in the word of God that God just zaps me with, that's the best thing to memorize. If there's a point of change, I want to memorize that. Why? Because I've got a system in place to keep reviewing those verses. And gosh, if there's a change that I need to make and I memorize this verse of scripture and I go over the verse, you know, every day for the first month and then once a week for the rest of the year, that kind of thing. Um, every time I go over the verse, I remember that principle and it helps me think about change. Because I can't change just because somebody said so from the stage. I've got to have a whole lot more than that. Um, scripture memory, here's another thought I've had. Scripture memory, using the um, athletic idea, scripture memory is the um, adrenaline that the Holy Spirit uses to build progress in our lives. And I love that. Because you're coming and you need that extra bit of adrenaline. The word of God comes to your, the Holy Spirit uses that, brings it to mind and helps you keep on going. And then the thing these guys want me to especially share is how I do my annual review of journaling. Um, so here's what I do. I think we've got an example of a daily journal. This is just a daily journal, what it looks like for me. I put in the verse I'm doing, uh, a little highlight of the verse. It can be short, it can be long. And then you can see I, in bold, I do this all on my computer. In bold, I highlight the part that stuck out to me. Then I learned for a number of years, I didn't do anything with this. And then about a decade ago or so, I, I started going back through at the end of the year and I thought, you know, I'm gonna have a quiet time on my quiet times. 
And so my last couple of weeks, I'd go back to January and I'd read through that. And then on the next slide, what I would do is every month I would write down five or six key ideas. Uh, is there one more slide? Go to the slide after that, then come back to this one. Okay, so here it is for the months. Each one, four to six, seven ideas that God spoke to me through it. Now, by the way, if I get something from a message, that's in my journal. So that ends up showing up here as well. Okay, so I do that, and then once I've done, I've got 60, 70 key ideas for the year, then what I do is I go back and I do the same thing on that list. And I highlight the list until I get down to four, three, or four, or five things. That, okay, here's the things I'm gonna focus on. So 2015, um, one of the things that God has used Watermark in my life is to see the beauty of being uh, authentic and not a people pleaser. And that came through so clear all through last year. And the way I summarize that, that I've been thinking about all through 2016 is, Boyd, be real and true. That the fear of rejection and failure lead to inauthenticity and dishonesty. And Boyd, you have got to learn how to be more authentic. You've got to learn how to be more true. So I've thought about that all year long. That's at the top. If you were to scroll down in this document in Google, uh, Google Doc, you would see just below this, here's my summary of the last few years, but you'll see where I'm at, my quiet time. And I always put the, the next one at the top so that um, uh, January is like 30 pages back or whatever it is down towards that, okay? So this is what I do to help me grab a hold of all of this. And then the fourth thing and final thing is community, being around other people. guys. All of us have blind spots, and I need my kids, I need my wife, I need guys that I spend time with that are younger, guys that are same age, guys that are older, to have permission to speak into my life, all ages. And one of the things that I've become convinced is that as we grow older, that we are to be more and more like Paul was in the first chapter of this book, where he said, here's a trustworthy statement that deserves um, full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Here's Paul, the arrogant, eager guy who we heard last week stood, watched Stephen die, who God did an amazing work in his life. In First Thessalonians, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. So he's up here. And as he goes through his life, it's not an upward trajectory. Now he's writing a guy he's thinking of leaving to the future generations. And he says, I'm the worst of sinners. Because as you get to know God, you see how far away you are from him. And you realize how broken and how needy you are. I don't care if you've been having a quiet time for 36 years. It doesn't matter. I'm broken. God is so much more. And every day we need to, to pursue and, and to know him. Um, now, I'm a guy, a systems guy. That's kind of what I do at work. And a few weeks ago when Jeff talked, he talked about moving from discipline to destiny. So I've always loved this quote. Um, it's always been something I've thought about. Guys, if you want to go from discipline to destiny, you sow a thought. You reflect on who you are and who you want to become. Then you reap an act. You make a plan. You do something. Then as you sow that act or you work the plan, you reap a habit. 
that habit becomes a way of life. This is what I discovered as a freshman in college, and I've seen it all the way through. You build a habit. That habit becomes a way of life. You sow this way of life, and it reaps a character. You become identified that way. Your life changes. This is the spiritual transformation that we're looking for. This is the character. Then if you sow a character and you live that out, that's when you reap a a destiny because you're an example to have an impact for generations to come. So my challenge this week, guys, reflect on who you are and who you want to become and be eager about letting the Word of God every day help you get the step towards that. Father, Every one of us is broken, is far from you. God, we're just a bunch of guys who honestly want to know you better. God, who honestly are totally aware that we fall short. God, I see the areas I fall short, and I want to become more and more like Jesus. And Lord, help us be honest about who we are to start with and not arrogant. And then who do we want to become and how do we get there? Lord, I pray that you use the discipline of reflection in all our lives to make us the men you want us to be. Not just for our sake, for generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen.